Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. <laughs> I don't know. A camel. Oh, yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. Well, they tried to go to a hotel, and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms. Literally, no rooms. <laughs> so Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, the only place in here in Bethlehem hand that that you can stay stay is a staple and then he just pointed the way and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, then they saw angels. The angel said, a new baby is getting born who is king of the Jews. The angel was singing. And then the shepherd said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out a night. And then the wife heard about it. And then a star appeared. We probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, that I have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some <laughs> shoes, some Jordans. Gold, Frank, and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably because the room is very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's going to be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby i ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is going to change the world. Yeah. <laughs> the new baby. The new baby's going to change the world. Hey, if, if you know these words, would you sing it with me? Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the sky, with angelic hopes proclaim, Christ is born, 
in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Hey, today, I want to I tell you a story. Um, I want to tell you a story of the newborn king. It's the story. It's the greatest story ever told. It's not just good news, it's great news of a king, a king like no other. We knew this king was coming because uh, literally for generations and generations and generations, we were told, we were promised. There was prophecies pointing to this newborn king that was coming. Uh, literally, in the story of God, there's 300 that we know of that we can count, 300 examples of prophecies pointing to the arrival of the king, that this king, the newborn king, is coming. And, and consider, consider these words uh, in Isaiah chapter 9. This is just one example. It's prophecy we might read often this time of, of year, and we read it knowing that it's true. We read it knowing that it's happening. But, but imagine these words written 700 years before the newborn king would ever become a reality. These words in Isaiah chapter 9 say this, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice. And righteousness from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isaiah, generations before Christmas ever became a reality, generations before this newborn king would arrive, what, what is he saying? He, he's saying that this king, this king will be greater than any other king we've ever known, even King David who every, every good Jew knew, every good Jew understood King David. No, 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 this king is greater than that. Look, look, his, his greatness, the, the greatness of his government, there will be no end. The greatness of his peace, there will be no end. The Lord will accomplish this. That's the promise that was made. And yet, and yet the people that are receiving these words are left to wait. They don't receive these words and then they get up the next day and, oh, look, the newborn king has arrived. No, no, no. They're left waiting and waiting and waiting. Like worse than the Chick-fil-A drive-thru line kind of wait. I'm telling you, right? Some of you, that's the waiting. Like, oh, that, okay, now we're serious, right? Like we're learning a little bit more about waiting in these days, aren't we? Almost every restaurant we go into, there's kind of a, a, a polite sign on the door, kindly asking for our patience because we're going to have to wait, and we don't like to wait, do we? <laughs> Some of you are like, let me tell you a story about where, right? We, we don't like to wait, but imagine this kind of waiting. Generations and generations, hundreds and hundreds of years of waiting. Uh, many, many have tried to kind of articulate what that must have been like, what that must have felt like, the promise of the king, yet not yet receiving it. 
the promise of God. Yes, yes, he's coming, he's coming, and yet, and yet, they don't get to, to experience the fulfillment of that promise yet, the, the waiting, the waiting. Several uh, have tried to articulate that. Even one, uh, the songwriter, the lyrics here, uh, of these words written in the 1700s of one songwriter's attempt to articulate what that, that longing, that waiting for the king must have been like. You, you might know the song. I'm not going to sing this one, but look at these words. Look at these words. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Literally, we're in captivity. We're, we're waiting, we're longing, and ransom captive Israel that mourns. There's a mourning, right? In lonely exile here. Until the Son of God appear, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee. He, he shall come. He will come. We long to see him come, right? This is how we, we, we try to lean in and understand what that waiting must have been like. One of my favorite lyrics in another song we like to sing goes like this. The thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. We like the rejoicing part, right? We get to that, but imagine the weariness, the weariness of waiting. Well, well we fast forward and we see in Luke chapter 2, we, we actually uh, began our time of worship this morning with these words because we see that the promise of the king it became a reality. It wasn't just a promise that we read about. It wasn't just a, a historical promise. No, it became a reality. And in Luke chapter 2, we see this moment where the angel uh, appears and, and promises Mary. And Mary's just a normal girl from Nazareth. But, but yet, she has promised that this king will now come a reality. We read these words in our time of worship, but look at them again with me uh, in verse 30 of Luke chapter 2. It says this. The angel says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, the Son of God. That's the name of your baby, Mary. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Now, kings sit on thrones, don't they? Kings sit on thrones. And Mary, like any good Jew, she knew, she understood the promise that was being made to her, the promise that was being fulfilled in her presence as these words were spoken. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. Listen to this. His kingdom will never end. This king... This king is like no other king that we've ever known. Literally, literally. He is the most powerful king. Literally, he's God. He is God. He is the son of God. This is the most powerful king we've ever known. Line up all the other kings that you've ever known. And this, this king is more powerful than all of them. And, and what, what's, what's fascinating is, is that this kingdom will not end. Listen, listen. Every kingdom that has ever existed in, in human history has ended, will end. That's, that's what's so sad and broken about people that put their hopes in human kingdoms, right? right? That if we put our hope in these things, in, in human rulers and leaders, they will fail, they will fall, that kingdom will end. But 
At this moment, as Mary is receiving the promise from the angel, she hears and understands that this king, his kingdom will never end. It will never end. Every other king will end. Every other kingdom will end. But, but not this king. Not his kingdom. But you see, what's, what's most amazing about this promise, it's not just that this is the most powerful king. It's not just that this is the greatest kingdom, a never-ending kingdom. You see, what's most remarkable about this king is that this king came for you, for me. That's, that's why this is the best story. Not just because we can stand back and say, wow, that's some kind of king. No, no, no. But this king came for a very specific reason. Because the truth is that, that you and I, because of sin, because of selfishness, because we lived our lives wanting to be king, we wanted to be king. We wanted to be in control. We wanted to have all the power. And what is the fruit of that? Well, I'll tell you about it in my life. The fruit of me wanting to be in charge of, of selfishness in my life. It's referred to in the Bible as sin. What's the fruit of that? It's, it's brokenness. It's destruction. It's death. That's true. It's true because God's word says it, that the wages of sin is death. But it's also true because I've seen it in my life. I've experienced it in my life. I've experienced what happens when I live and it's all about me. I've, I've seen the reality and the fruit of my life when I look to God and say, no, 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 I, I'm in charge now. <laughs> I'm going to be king. And I'm here to tell you in my life, the fruit, the wages of that kind of living, it's death, it's brokenness. And that's not just true for me. It's true for every single one of us because of sin because when sin enters into the world back here in Genesis 1, we had a sin problem. And the problem with sin is we, we can't do anything on our own about it. We can't be good enough, righteous enough. We can't give enough. We can't help enough people to save ourselves from sin. We're, we're sinners. And that's why. That's why one of the first prophecies of the king began the moment sin entered into the world. The moment sin, way back in Genesis, we don't think anything about Christmas in Genesis, right? But the truth is, the moment sin enters into the world, God in his grace, in his goodness, in his love, began the journey, began the plan to send the king to come for you and for me. That's, that's why this is the best story. Because this newborn king came for you and for me. So the question, the question for us today is, what do we do about that? How do you respond to the king? That's really, that's really what Christmas is about. Advent, Advent, that word literally means the arrival, the arrival. So we're celebrating this season, and it's about so many good things and tradition and family and gathering, and we love it, and some of us are exhausted by it, and some of us look forward to it, and some of us dread it, all of that. But, but what Christmas is really about, it's about the arrival of the king, and the question is, how do you respond to the newborn king? the most powerful, the greatest king, the only kingdom that will never end. How, how do you respond? 
today. We began today looking at a snapshot of, of 700 years before the king came, right, in Isaiah the prophecy. Then we look at a snapshot of the promise. Hey, hey, Mary, the king is here. He's coming right now through you, right? And, and now I want to I conclude in, in answering that question. I want to look at one more snapshot in scripture. It, it's not 700 years before. It's not the moment where the king will arrive. Now this is, this is a little bit after the king arrives. It's a little bit after the arrival of the newborn king, and it's in Matthew chapter 2. And, and I want to I look here for a minute because I think this helps us answer the question that we must ask as we begin this journey together. Over these next couple weeks, as we lean in and, and talk and understand more about this newborn king, I think this question that we ask today is the most important question. How will you respond? And the good news for us today is we don't just have to talk about it. We can, we can see it. We can see it through God's word. So in Matthew chapter 2, um, Jesus has already come. The king has already been born. But if you know the story, you, you know, right? Matthew chapter 2, there's some magi. There's some visitors from the Far East. What's really cool about this is everyone else involved in the story so far have been Jews. But now, now come the magi. And these are our philosophers uh, from the East. And these are not Jews. These are Gentiles. These are outsiders. These are foreigners. But yet they have heard the news of the king, and they've come. So, so read with me uh, these words, Matthew 2, starting with verse 1. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who was born king, king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we, we have come to worship him. Verse 3, King Herod heard this. He was disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. The question, the question that we're asking, right, is how do we respond to the newborn king? How do we respond to the newborn king? And here in the story, we actually get a visual of two different responses. And, and while these are responses, again, thousands of years ago, I think, I think we can place our lives over the grid of the story and see two responses that we have to the king. The first we see here in verse 3, look at it again with me. King Herod, King Herod, how does he respond to the king? It says that he was disturbed. And not just him. Look, I, I never caught this until I, I read this week. The rest of verse 3, and all of Jerusalem with him. That there, not everyone was excited for the newborn king, were they? Not everyone was ready to receive him with open arms. Welcome, King Jesus. No, this king to Herod was a threat, right? And maybe not just to him, but to others. That this, this king, it, it left some questions. It left some doubts. It left some confusion. It, it, it made them maybe feel threatened. Maybe it threatened their government, their system, how they worshipped, how they functioned, the way they thought things should be. And because this king was a threat... How did they respond to the newborn king? They were disturbed. They were anxious. They were afraid. But there's, there's another posture. There's another response. And you, you know the story. 
Let's keep reading. Skip down with me. Uh, Skip down with me to verse 9. Verse 9, because these magi, they they go on their way, and they're determined. They want to get to the king. (laughs) And you see just this beautiful depiction in verse 9. It says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw this child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Here we see a different posture, don't we? A different response. If, if Herod's response over here is to be disturbed, is to feel threatened, is to feel like everything in my life and my system and my control is in jeopardy, over here we see a very different response of people of outsiders that had no business. They weren't Jews, right? This wasn't their king. And yet, and yet, how do they respond? With joy. How do they respond? With worship. How do they respond? They, they lay their gifts at the feet of this newborn king. There really can't be two more opposite responses to the king. So the question for you and me today is, it's which, which one are you? Which one are you in response to this newborn king? Today, uh, maybe the idea of this newborn king sounds great to you, but, but the truth is, this idea of Jesus being king, well, that, that sounds like a threat. I want to be in control. I like things how they are. And maybe within you, you're a little bit disturbed. You're a little bit keep Jesus at arm's distance. I don't need you to be my king. Maybe today, your posture is like these, these outsiders. But yet, they, with joy, with worship, lay their gifts at the feet of of the king. There's this truth that we see here in, in scripture, and I think this is a truth that will help guide us throughout the rest of this series. The truth of, of the king is this, that either, either Jesus is king of all, or he's not king at all. Either, either, either he came to be king of, of all, all that I have, all of my life, all of my, my present, my past, my future, or, or he's really not king at all of any of it. And the truth is, for you and for me, um, over these next couple of weeks, we're going to be taking a journey through the story. We're going to be taking a journey, and we're going to be answering some questions. What does it really mean for him to be king? What does it really mean for him to be king of my life right now? Uh, what does that mean for what I believe What does that mean for the people around me? What does it mean for my my present? What does it mean for my future to say that that he is, he is the king? And and as we take this journey together, I I just want to begin today understanding this fundamental truth. That Jesus, Jesus didn't come to be a part-time king in your life. He came to be the the full-time Lord, Jesus is not interested. This newborn king didn't come to earth so that we could wave to him at a holiday gathering. So that we could make a pit stop on a Sunday morning to acknowledge him and then go along the rest of our way while we're being king. Either, either he is king 
of all or he's not king at all? Not really. That really leads us to the question of how, how will you respond? How will you respond to this king? I'm going to invite you today. Would you stand to your feet in just a minute? We're going to close. But before we do that, we're going we're to do something together for a minute. So nobody's going to get hurt. It'll be good. <laughs> if you would stand to your feet. I was thinking this week about a posture. We've asked today the question, how will you respond to the king? And the truth is, the truth is, I think no matter who you are today, and truthfully today, some of you, you might have questions. You might say, I have questions about this king. I have questions about what this is going to mean for my life to say that he's king of my life. I have questions. I like to be in control. I like to be king. Just like Simba, I just can't wait to be king, right? right? I like to be king of my life. And so maybe today, maybe today you've got questions. Man, and I would say that's okay, but, but I, wanna, I, I think there's, there's a posture, there's a response that every single one of us today can take. It's a posture of humility. See, it doesn't matter today. Maybe you're a little skeptical. Maybe you're a doubter. Maybe you're a little bit disturbed. You kind of relate a little bit to Herod over here. You're a little bit anxious. You don't really know what it would mean to say, Jesus, you're king of my life. And so maybe... Maybe you resonate and relate a little bit to that response. But today, I think there's a posture we can all take, and it's the posture of humility, of humility. I was thinking of this this morning. Um, Parenting a four-year-old gives you all kinds of wisdom and insight. (laughs) It's true. And there's often, often, my daughter, Glory, she wants to be either way ahead of me or way behind me. You know, way ahead in the parking lot. She wants to run way ahead of me. I'm, oh, I'm running. I'm trying to grab her hand. She doesn't want to hold my hand. She yanks it from me. I don't want to. But, but every now and then, it happened this morning. That's why it reminds me. Every now and then, I'll get a little bit ahead of her and she'll say, Daddy, can I hold your hand? Yeah, yeah, you can. Isn't that, isn't that ironic? All the times I'm fighting to get her to hold my hand. And every now and then, every now and then, Daddy, can I hold your hand? You know what? Today, 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 I think a posture of humility is a posture of one that just steps back and acknowledges, man, I don't have to be king of my life. King Jesus, can I, can I hold your hand? Can, 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 can I walk with you? Can we go through? I, I need your help. I, I can't do this, and I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know the questions that you're seeking. I don't know what you're up against. But today, the good news is you don't have to be king of your life. You don't have to do it on your own. And the greatest posture, the greatest response that we can take as we take this first step into the Advent season is a posture of humility. These magi, these These well-known, well-learned philosophers from the East, they came and they literally bowed at the feet of a child. Talk about humility. So this morning, I'm going to invite you, would you bow your heads as we prepare to close? In a minute, we're going to celebrate the newborn king because that's what the season is about. But before we do that, I'm going to invite you to literally join me in taking a posture of humility. Now, you, maybe you don't want to do that today. You're not ready to, don't, don't, it's not an obligation. It's not a duty. But I think there's some of us here today that we want to respond to the king. And we, we need in 2021, we need, we desperately need him to be king. 
of our lives, of our present, of our future. And maybe we don't even know everything that that means yet, but today we just begin by saying, God, I humble myself. I humble myself. I, I can't. I can't be king. I can't be Lord of my life. Would you lead? And so, so some of us in the room today, if that's you, I just want to invite you with me. What is a posture of humility? A posture of humility is to kneel. Now, some of you today, you're not physically able to do that, and that's okay. Maybe, maybe for you, it's just, just sitting right where you are and doing so in a posture of humility. But right now, if you want to today, you don't have to. But maybe today, in response to the king, you want to join me in just a posture that says, King Jesus, I humble myself. I humble myself. I, I can't be king. I, I can't. I've made a mess of things. I, I've, I've led a life of, of sin, of brokenness. I, I, I know the anxiety that is to try to be king of my life. And today I humble myself. If that's you today, maybe like me, you want to just assume a posture, a posture of humility. King Jesus, today, we humble ourselves long enough to admit that we don't know, that we don't have all the answers, that we can't do it on our own. Like my little four-year-old daughter, sometimes, Lord, sometimes we realize we're, we're a little bit lost, we're a little bit scared, and sometimes we just need to be able to grab your hand and know that you're near. And, and so today we begin this Advent season by humbling ourselves before the King. We thank you. We thank you that you loved us enough to come. We were sinners. We deserve death. We deserve destruction. We deserve the fruit of all of those decisions that we made. But yet, you came anyway for us. We don't deserve that. We can't earn that. And so today, we humble ourselves enough. We make time and space over these next couple weeks. We pause. We create room in our lives and in our calendar and in our day. We humble ourselves because you're king. And we want to make room for you this Christmas season. So over these next couple weeks, Lord, as we journey together, would you come? Would you speak? We want to give you permission to be king of our lives. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.